gracious God, thank you for this time for us to be together. Let anyone with ears listen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It is a pleasure to be with you today. I am Eric Moen. I'm a senior congregational engagement officer with the Episcopal Health Foundation. And that's a whole lot of words all at one time. But it is my work uh, in the diocese to help congregations become more connected, more embedded, more rooted in their communities and the folks who are around them. Uh, many of you may know, but the, uh, but the foundation was created almost 10 years ago with the sale of the St. Luke's Hospital System. Raise your hand if you're aware of that. It's always helpful to know this. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So the diocese had this massive hospital system called St. Luke's, and they sold that system. That system was rooted here in the Gulf Coast region of the diocese, and it was a terrific hospital. So for years, the question that the diocese kept acting, asking itself was, is being in the hospital business missional work? It was certainly missional when they started the hospital. There was a huge need for that medical care. But as folks in leadership at the diocese wrestled with that question, an answer finally came very clear. And that is, no, that is not the missional work that we could be doing as so many others are doing that work well. And the decision was made to sell that hospital system and to take the proceeds of that and to create an entity that would get on the front end of health. And so the Episcopal Health Foundation was established from the sale of that hospital system. And the work of the foundation is to do just that, is to keep people healthy. The big bet, the big gamble of the foundation, the big work of the Episcopal Health Foundation is to work upstream to do the work to get to the place where we can begin to redirect health-facing dollars to keep people healthy rather than waiting until someone gets sick and they end up in the hospital side or the sick care side of it all. So that's the work we do. There's a lot of grant making that happens. When you think of a foundation, people immediately think about the money. And so about $38 million goes back into the Diocese of Texas every year, every year. So now the resource of the hospital, which is now the foundation, now pushes out across all 80 counties of the Episcopal Diocese of Texas, whereas before it only served along the coastal region. It is a huge gift to every Texan, and it is a wonderful way to work towards keeping people healthy. If we can redirect those health dollars, then we're really doing something. So the work of the congregations is this. We are the people who live in all these different communities. We know what the needs are. We also know where the assets are. And it is our work and our congregations to work alongside other entities in our communities to help keep people healthy. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you this, it can be as simple as breaking cycles of isolation. If we can keep people together, if we can build community, which by the way, that's the wheelhouse of the church, then we are affecting the health of folks 
who live among us. We believe that every Texan deserves to be healthy no matter who you are or where you come from. So within our congregational work, there are four focus areas that we lean into. Racial justice, mental health, poverty alleviation, and civic engagement. Now that is a very wide ranging spectrum of opportunity. And so far, there is not a single ministry that a church in the diocese is doing that we have not been able to work with or be a part of. Because churches know how to respond to the needs of people in their community. And so we're here to support you. We're here to help you. And in fact, uh, in 2021, Grace was part of one of our cohorts to learn about the holy currencies. And that's a whole nother story. But it is a way to develop and think about how to build a sustainable ministry that goes beyond charity only. And that's the big work. How do we move our mindset from charity only to really being in relationship, to really being in that place where we work shoulder to shoulder with folks in our community, to be in that place where we are really listening and understanding what the needs are of our neighbors so that we can actively together respond to that and build health for everyone. Well, guess what? Y'all do that really, really well. And I want to commend you because you have a tremendous ministry. You have multiple ministries, but I will tell you the one that I am familiar with, and that is your Thursday morning mobile food pantry. I was here a couple of months ago and was blown away by the work, not just of this church, but the work that you lead and the whole city of Alvin turns out for to support. As I walked around and talked with your volunteers, I very quickly realized that this was a work of grace, but it wasn't just grace at work. You have people from across the community partnered in this work, and that is exactly how you respond to neighbors, with neighbors. Kudos to you. Because what I saw that Thursday, what I know happens here every Thursday, is people from across Alvin come together to serve every person who has a need to put food on their table. And it is clear that the word is out, and that the need is there, and that people are here. I was also struck by the fact that there are folks who started and came and had their first experience of your mobile food pantry as someone coming to receive food and now show up early to help in that distribution as well. That is what neighbors working alongside each other looks like. That is the work of connecting and building health through relationship. When we know each other and when we understand one another, then we can no longer otherize someone and count them out and just do our own thing, but rather because we know that person, we want to be there with them. In our reading today, Jesus goes on a walkabout. Jesus leaves the building. Jesus goes out into the community. But this is not the first time that he has done that because back in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes walkabout then as well. And he goes along another shoreline. And as he's walking along that shore, he meets people. He visits with people. 
He says, walk with me. I'll make you fishers of other people. Today, Jesus has left the building once again. He is no longer in the sacred space, talking to the sacred people. He is out on the shore talking to everyone. And he's not just talking. He's preaching. And in this very first parable, he chooses the most common of experiences from the everyday lives of people. He talks about farming. Jesus does this a lot, by the way, because he's relating with the people. But this is such an interesting story because I've talked with a few farmers before, and this is not how you farm. My dad lives down a three-mile gravel road just west of Waco. And to get to his house, I drive through miles of cornfields. It is very clear that those seeds are planted with intention. And there are not seeds just kind of thrown around. Those seeds are planted very carefully. And so Jesus tells this story to a bunch of folks who understand farming And he's saying, well, we're just going to kind of throw this seed everywhere. Makes me wonder, what does that really mean? That's some ridiculous kind of farming. Well, because we just heard the whole story, we know that it's not a lesson on how to farm. It's a parable. It's a story. He's preaching. He is saying that the seed is God's word. We need to spread that seed everywhere. We need to plant that all over town. So, here we are in church. The good soil, right? Well, Jesus didn't just preach in church. He went out. But if the seeds are the word of God, are we not called to preach in church, but also outside on the margins. The margins, we learn in this story, are of the path. It's the rocky stuff. It's the thorny bits, and it's the underbrush. But here we are, the good soil, in this sacred space. I ask myself, am I always good soil? Do you, like I do, sometimes experience rocky patches? Those rocky patches in life that make you stumble, the rocky stuff that's immovable, it's hot, it's hard, it's inhospitable, it's impenetrable to God's good word and to your own good godly self? Do you, like I do, sometimes experience being in the weeds of life, feeling overwhelmed and choked for time and space to be fully present with God, to be loved with loved ones? And often feeling like we ourselves can't be loved. Do you, like I do, sometimes experience feeling like your whole being is so shut down that nothing can land, that nothing can take root, that everything is just bouncing off of you and being gobbled up by those around you, resulting in you... And me feeling completely walked all over 
and likely alone. How does the good news, the good seed, get in and take root when one's back has become a path for others? Well, we walk the talk. And we gather here this morning. And we attend to one another. And we say the prayers. And we sing the hymns. And we're still and quiet with God in ways that remind us and open us to reestablish that good soil of our hearts in a way that we receive God again, the good news. So in addition to my work with the Episcopal Health Foundation, for the last 12 years or so, I have been working with an organization called Houston Revision. Houston Revision is a nonprofit it's in the southwest part of Houston, and it works with system-involved young people. These are young people who have been forgotten. These are young people who have been cast away. These are young people who have experienced uh, adults and others uh, quitting on them. Their lives have been challenging. Their lives have been hard. And no one knows what to do with them. So often these young people end up getting in some trouble, usually starting in school, and they will end up in some sort of system. And we have a lot of systems for young people like this. But the work of Houston Revision is to break that cycle. It is to build relationship. Every person is redeemable. Every person wants to be the good soil. Every person needs a relationship. For a young person to turn his or her life around, all that young person needs, the data shows, is one caring adult in a positive peer community. If we can provide one caring adult in a positive peer community for young people, they can very quickly bounce back into the right direction of becoming good soil. It is an absolute brilliant example of human resilience. And so that's the work of Houston Revision. They work with young people, they provide mentors, there is a Thursday night community night, there's music, there's break dancing, there's always a meal, there's a soccer team that has gone to national championship games, they are a day center open seven days a week, they provide housing for young people, it is a place of tremendous connection tremendous connectivity. And so in that work, I've had the pleasure of uh, meeting Father Greg Boyle. And Father Greg Boyle is uh, the person who started a ministry out in Los Angeles called Homeboy Industries. And Revision has learned a lot from Father Greg. Father Greg has a lot of books out. If you want to be inspired, his first book is called Tattoos on the Heart. You cannot be you cannot read that book and not be untouched. Well, Father Greg says this about being together. Greg says in his book, only kinship. Inching ourselves closer to creating a community of kinship such that God might recognize it. Soon we imagine with God this circle of compassion then we imagine no one standing outside of that circle, 
moving ourselves closer to the margins so that the margins themselves will be erased. We stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the poor and the powerless and the voiceless. At the edges, we join the easily despised and the readily left out. We stand with the demonized so that the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. Homeboy serves folks who have been gang involved, system involved in many ways. And so revision, Houston Revision has taken terrific inspiration from that work and we have learned a lot. But what we have learned is what you were learning here on Thursday mornings is that we go to the margins not to save but to make the margins the new center of God's love. We go to the margins to stand with people so that those margins become the new center of God's love. Jesus tells the story of the sower throwing seed everywhere, landing everywhere on the margins. Why? Because Jesus is teaching us that when we expand and go to the margins, there we are at the place where folks who need us to stand alongside them, and we do that in a way so that those folks become the new center of God's love, so that everyone is in the center of the community. EHF believes that every Texan deserves to be healthy just as you believe every Alvinite. Is that right? Is it Alvinite? I struggled with that. In Waco, you're a Wacoan. We believe that every Alvinite deserves to have food on the table for every meal. And in that alignment, grace and EHF, we are building health for all. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of attending a gathering of lay leaders in Chicago, and it's a gathering of lay leaders from the Episcopal Church from all over the country. And over those days, many of us shared about our work and our ministry. I met Ryan Kusumoto. Ryan is the president and CEO at Parents and Children Together uh, in Hawaii. Parents and Children Together are packed. I thought that was pretty clever. It's a nonprofit. They serve 17,000 individuals and families annually in concentrated poverty throughout every island of Hawaii. Their focus is to promote meaningful and healthy relationships between parents and children while creating support systems for people when they have nowhere else to turn. Ryan, at the end, was asked, at the end of our gathering, was asked to sum up our several days of time together. And I want to share with you his closing remarks. And I say this because you are lay leaders. You are lay leaders of this community. You are lay leaders of this church. Now, our task is pulling all this together 
And as our speakers have said, to go out and to connect and do God's work. In Hawaii, we have a word called kulina. Its most basic meaning is responsibility. But if you ask the elders of Hawaii, they will say it's a bit more. It means the privilege of responsibility. I was having a conversation with a, another member here on Monday, and it, I was reminded that the most important part of the church service is the dismissal. Our privilege of responsibility is to not let what we have received here just stay within this room. Our responsibility is to take what we have gathered, to share our story, to connect, give, and do God's work in the world. That is our call. I thought Ryan's words fit our lesson this morning because it gets to the root of our call to embrace our privilege of responsibility so that we as leaders in the Episcopal Church, that's all of us, we are called to share the good news, the seed sown, and the love of Jesus. You have a ministry, whether it's on the margins or deep in the good soil, you are called to serve, you are called to lead, you are called to hope, and we are all called to love. So as we leave this building and a little bit later on this morning, go and walk the shores of your neighborhood, and may those living on the margins, the edges, become your new center for the city of Alvin. Amen.